Okay, welcome to the first episode of Death is a Whole Thing. Should we introduce ourselves? I'm Emily Rose. I'm Meredith M. Lynch. And we're just here to have a fun little chat about death. Yeah, as fun as death can be, which actually it can be a little more fun than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, and that's like where we really align in the way we see things. And I think we can really add to the conversation because, look, there's like infinite ways to deal with death and grief. One of our primary ways is through humor and just talking it out in like a lighthearted way. And I'm just excited to put that out into the world because I think there's a lot of people that feel the way we do and a lot more too that don't know that they have permission to to cope with it in that way. I completely agree. And I feel like when I was in my early grieving years, if I had had access to some of the things that people put out there now, I would have been so much better off. Uh, And it would have helped me understand that the things that I was thinking and feeling were not only okay, they were actually like really normal and typical. Yeah. And I think like, however you choose to deal with death, as long as it's not like committing a crime, then (laughs) everything is allowed, basically. Yes, a thousand percent. There's just no wrong way to feel and cope with it. And yeah, we're here to add to that. Right. So before we kind of get into like the meat of the episode, uh, I wanted to talk about like who we think this is for. So I'll give like my take, if you don't mind. Yes, I want to hear your take. Yeah, I mean, this is for, (laughs) we're casting a wide net here, but like it's for first and foremost, obviously anyone with a dead mom, like that kind of goes without saying, Um, if you're familiar with either of our past work. Um, but really anyone who has lost anyone or who's what I call death curious, like, because it's something that (laughs) it's something that like some people have never lost anyone in their life. And that thought is really haunting and scary. It's like the, I think the unknown can be just as terrifying or like difficult to deal with as like actual loss itself. And so maybe like hearing from people who've gone through it can like help them to like wrap their heads around it because spoiler alert everyone is going to die eventually thank you for the reminder it's something that i think about uh i would say on a hourly basis um but <laughs> no but seriously i agree um and i think it's also it could be something that could be really helpful if you have a partner or a friend Um, or even a parent, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who have told me that they've listened to our podcast that we did back around Mother's Day and that they've never really lost anyone. But a lot of them have told me I grew up, my mom lost her mom when she was like a teenager. And they've told me that in listening to that episode, they have a better understanding of like their mom or, you know, some people have told me, they know, my dad lost his dad. And that episode gave me a better understanding of why he is the way he is. So I think that any time that we can get a little more perspective on this topic, that is, it is so hard to talk about. And I think that, you know, it has been something that has been stigmatized to talk about grief, especially in a way that can be like a little, a little funny, a little dark humor, if you will. Um, It can be a really important conversation. Oh, totally. And yeah, that's such a good point too. Like, it's a great way like to help understand the people in your life who are either like, in the process of losing someone have lost someone. Um, And that was one of the best parts of us putting out that episode. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, we put out um, an episode called The Dead Mom Club, which that's it's so crazy to think about because that's around the time we met. And it wasn't even yes. all that long ago. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, I know. And now you're just like my Canadian soul sister. Like, oh I just my God. <laughs> I love you. And and we first really bonded over this. I think that was one of the first ways that we actually connected on on TikTok. <laughs> Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. I had I had someone message me and they were like, oh, the things that you talk about um, sound a lot like 
um, topics that this other creator talks about. And I had you on to talk about influencers, I think. And then we were like, yes. oh my God, Mother's Day is, is in a week. Let's jump back on the mic like in yes. two days. And we just and we, did it. Yeah. We've never really stopped chatting since then. Um, and so it's, it's turned into this beautiful project, but yeah, like one of the best things that came out of doing that episode was some people reached out and they were like, Hey, like, thanks so much for that episode. Also, um, my partner's parent is going through this or my friend's parent is like, they're in the process of either have just lost someone or will soon lose someone. And I was wondering like, if you could give me any additional advice. And I was just, it was so, um, heartwarming is not even the word for how meaningful it felt to be able to like connect with people on this level. Like it, it helps me too. It helps with my process. Oh, it a thousand percent. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, that was a big part of it for me. And then I don't know if you had this experience either, but like I heard from some people who I hadn't maybe really ever talked to about my mom dying, but they were close to me or they had been close to me or my family at the time. And so many people reached out to me. I have so many people. Okay. Like probably like four. <laughs> so many of you guys have been asking about my skincare routine. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, you know, a few people reached out and were like, I feel like I understand what you went through so much better now. Um, it cleared up a lot of questions that I had. It's, you know, I had a person who reached out and said that it was really healing for them because they felt like they hadn't done enough for me. But now in hearing that, they realized like what the situation was. And I think like I had this idea where I was like, what if everyone could just record their grief story in like an hour and someone could interview about you about it? And then you could just periodically in your life give the, well, I'm calling it a tape, but I mean, I think it would have to be some type of, I don't know, MP, MP3. I don't know. I can play it on your iPod Nano, but you could just say to people like, this is why I am the way that I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. I want us to give our dead mom elevator pitch, <laughs> which you know what I mean? Like, yes, I totally know what you mean. So who am I talking to? Well, who's in the elevator? I mean, I know that there's some people listening who've heard our episode that we did way back in like the spring, but just for like, I guess to the general public, like just like our very broad, like dead mom story, which we'll, we'll obviously get way more into throughout, but yeah. Yes. Okay. So my mom died when I was 17. I was a junior in high school. She had breast cancer. She'd had breast cancer for four years. She was very sick pretty much the whole time. So it, there was a lot of anticipatory grief. And uh, she, so she died. And I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger sisters and a dad who is uh, probably one of the better gifts of my life. Um, he He's a wonderfully supportive dad, but we also are wonderfully Irish Catholic. So there was not a lot of talking about your feelings, not a lot of um, processing what had happened and how serious it was. So I kind of just tried to um, create a life where uh, I acted like my mom dying was kind of like, you know, taking the you know, SAT twos, not, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happened to me. Um, and it's not that big of a deal. And as I got older, I started to realize it actually, it actually was a really big deal and it was showing up for me in all sorts of ways. So I, uh, started talking about it more, whether that was with people that I know or joining a support group or getting on TikTok and yelling into the void about it. And that's, kind of where I'm at. And I'm also working on a memoir. I'm getting my MFA in creative writing and I'm writing a memoir about the years that my mom was sick and right after she died. Um, love and it. So I would like, like to hear your elevator pitch. Can I? Yes. I'm going well, to, okay. I'm going to popcorn it to Emily Rose. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And by the way, when I say love it, I mean the the part about the book, not your oh, mom no, dying. <laughs> I mean, you can love that my mom died. I, we, I have a very different relationship with my mom dying now. Um, but yeah. yes, I want to hear. Also, can we just agree that like popcorning it is like the worst corporate phrase? <laughs> it's, it's Are they there. saying that in Canada? Uh, I haven't heard it, but 
<laughs> oh my God. It's like when you're on a zoom and you're with like 10 people and you're going to do introductions. And instead of like, just having the, the person who's leading the meeting, kick it off. They were like, uh, I'm going to popcorn it to Emily Rose. And then you have to popcorn it to another person, which inevitably <laughs> means that the next person's going to forget. And then they have to be like, you didn't send it to somebody else. Oh, just, yeah. keep just, fucking, yeah, just fucking keep it moving Show. around the circle. Anyway, <laughs> Carrie, elevator pitch me, my friend. I will. Um, okay. My story is so different than yours. And it's interesting how, just how different our realities are because we just connect on so many levels, like about grief and about our perspectives on it. But for me, my mom passed away actually as of recording um, exactly two years ago this week. Um, so I'm 34 now. So we got the diagnosis um, when I was 31, about to turn 32. And it was 2020. So it was like peak, peak pandemic. And it was a couple of weeks after the pandemic hit. So everyone was like in full kind of like fear state, whatever. Um, my mom got sideswept by the other C, not COVID, but cancer. And this very, very rare type, like not... Um, I was going to almost say not sexy, but like there's no march for it. It's called cholangiocarcinoma. No one's ever heard of it. It's gallbladder cancer, essentially. And it's this really nasty type that is um, once you found it, basically, it's too late. So it's like it's incurable. And it's the type of thing that once people have a diagnosis, like they essentially have less than a year. So it's very, very abrupt and like I mean, my mom, who never sugarcoated anything, was like, it's going to be short and nasty. And so I knew when she said that, that I was like, okay, like, you know, I we really have to hunker down here. So I basically, I packed up my life. I was living all the way across the country, um, about 4,000 kilometers away. So in like American miles, it's like LA to New York. I was living that far away from my family, um, but I essentially packed my life up and put it all into my SUV. Anything I couldn't fit, I just sold it. Um, and I moved across the country with my dog to take care of my mom and spend time together in our final months and just like wrap our heads around this crazy reality. So the news we got April 2020, and then she passed away November 2020. So it was seven months. And, um, like, it's interesting you talked about your background. Like I come from this really interesting background of like, well, my family's Jewish, so there's a lot of like death rituals, but my mom was a palliative care social worker. So she worked with dying people for 30 years and it was the type of thing that it was dinnertime conversation. When I was a teenager, I banned talk of death at the dinner table because I found it so disturbing. <laughs> but, but it made it so that it was very interesting because we had an extremely short amount of time to like wrap our heads around this. But we were sort of like weirdly primed on the topic. And so we just, yeah, we just hunkered down and kind of got right into it, like, you know, talking about life and death and everything. So that's my story. Wow. It's, it's so interesting because our stories are so different. Right. And I think that's one of the fun things, not fun. No, it, fun it things fun. Talking. no, but it is. Our stories are so different, but a lot of the feelings that we have, like, you know, now we're both on the other side, right? Now we yeah. both have the exact same thing, right? Which is, if you looked at it, through just like really quick terms. We both have moms that we lost to cancer. Yeah. And even though our experiences of losing them are vastly different, some of the feelings that come out of that experience are exactly the same. Oh, absolutely. And like, when you say fun, it's like, I feel the same way. And like, part of that is the fact that like, every time you and I talk about our situation, I feel like I learned something about my situation. Like, and I know that like, you've been in this club for longer. So you've like, in that time, like found communities and connected with people over this sort of thing. And like, but you're like the first person really that I've connected with who's like a peer and we can just like talk about it. And you know, there it, it's always obviously useful to like bond with people in your life who like knew this person. You can like talk about these experiences, but I've realized through knowing you that it's just as important to talk to someone who's kind of like objective, but you understand each other's perspective. 
you know? A thousand percent. I actually think it can be really hard to talk to the people that you went through it with. I actually think that it's easier to meet people who didn't go through it. So when you share with someone who's been there, who gets it, but like who wasn't in the like hospital room. Yeah. It can be really helpful because you also, I think, have a permission to share in a way that you don't have when you share with somebody who was there with you. Totally. I mean, it's in the same way that it's like, you know, useful to go to therapy because it's like an objective person. And I know that when even from the time like my mom was sick into like her passing and everything, I was very set on like, okay, do not turn the people in my life into therapists. Like, I feel very supported by like friends and everything. Um, And I feel like they did a lot to help me, but I was like, it was just important for me to not like lean on them in the way of like, really just like putting it all on their shoulders. Um, So I, you know, I was like, that's where like therapy and art and everything has come in. But at the same time, it's like, I I never feel heavy or burdened by talking to you. It sort of does play this role of like, it is very therapeutic to have this conversation, like you said, with someone who wasn't there, like boots on the ground. I think it lightens the load a little bit. Yeah. And I guess a question for you is how did you communicate to people in your life, like friends in your life? Because obviously you weren't seeing a lot of people because it was COVID. So like, how were you connecting with people over it? Because I think that could be a really helpful thing for other people to hear of like, as both friends or as someone who might be going through this, like who has a sick parent and they're like, I don't know how to talk to my friends about it. Or so I want to know, how does someone with a fully formed frontal lobe go about that? Because I didn't have that when I was going through this. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the differences in our stories. And like, um, I'll just speak first to like the developed frontal lobe part. Um, one of the like the most important things I've like learned from talking about all this stuff with you is that I feel like our like bodies or like our minds have this built-in like protective mechanism um, in order to like get through this, where it's like, I feel like both of us have expressed like, oh my God, like, so you lost your mom when you were a teenager. I lost mine in my thirties. And both of us have expressed and felt like, oh my God, I could not imagine going through it in your situation. You know? And it's like, and it's like, like, I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't handle that. And like, you feel the same about me. And it's like, I feel like a thousand percent. It's like, that's our mind's way of like, almost like protecting ourselves of being like, Mm -hmm. okay, like, just basically like like, it wasn't that bad it could have been worse a little bit yeah we're just like yeah a way of contextualizing it so we can get through it like of being like okay we can handle this couldn't handle that but can handle this like yes which no a thousand percent yeah and and like that is something that like people have never been through it like I think that's the scariest part for them is like can I get through this and I know that like when you're in the thick of it like you feel like you can't, but like, we're here, <laughs> we're here and we're chatting about it. So I'm still standing, baby. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> Even if it feels like we're just crawling along, at least I'll speak for myself sometimes. <laughs> we'll um, get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but how I connected with people, like it's, it is, it's very interesting to think of like how to answer that because so on one hand, I was like super versed in the topic of death, like super, um, comfortable with talking about it um but at the same time like I couldn't be in contact with anyone like like actual Mm -hmm. physical contact like so this was like before the vaccine this is when everything was still closed like people couldn't hug each other so like right I would tell people this news either like over FaceTime or in person we would awkwardly stand like (laughs) whatever six feet away yeah yeah yeah, six six feet (laughs) away and just stand there staring at each other and it was like really bizarre um so that like that was how I connected with people, but I still like, I don't know. My friends are like just heroes, my sweet, like angels, like they were across the country, but they were sometimes sending like, you know, bone broth or like flowers, whatever it may be. Like just, we were in as close of contact as we could, but actually like physically, um, I unfortunately had to go through it with like not touching people. So that was like, as a very huggy person myself, that was not great. Not fun. You know what I like immediately thought of? What? 
like the fact that you couldn't just like, you couldn't go spend the day at the hospital with your mom and then be like, you know what? Like, I want to go out to dinner. Like, let's go get a pizza. Cause if you could do that, it's not like you wouldn't talk about it. It's not like it wouldn't be real, but like you could go and like, I don't know, have a drink, have a slice of pizza and just like fucking vibe with someone and talk to them about like what's happening at their office. Cause like, you know, other people's office drama can be hilarious. Like, Oh yeah. And it gets your mind off shit for like, even just an hour that can be like so important and good and distracting. But like when you can't just do those type of things, when going to the grocery store, like is so stressful. And like, remember when we wore gloves to the grocery store, like (laughs) it was like that. Also, like we didn't know anything even about the science. So people thought that, you know, you got it just as much through services as you did through the air. So I was always also scared of like bringing it back to the house and like killing my mom even sooner. Like, all totally. So I don't know if I mentioned this like in our dad mom club episode, but my my situation was fucked up enough that my biggest fantasy throughout that time was touching someone's arm. Like I just got really fixated <sighs> on that thought of like just platonically like reaching, you know, and you just like yeah. <laughs> it's, like, so sad to think about it now, but like reaching out and just like putting your hand on someone's arm, like when you're just sitting with a friend. That's what I craved like more than anything and instead it was like sitting because it's also Canada so it's fucking freezing and dark right here so I'm just like sit with the friends who were like in town and like nice enough to come by we'd like sit with our winter coats like in the freezing cold and like talking on the porch and to one of us would be like okay I'm, I'm really cold like I have to go inside it was like messed up but yeah that's like that is the reason why I'm online today like because that situation was so difficult to deal with that I feel like it spurred me to like, it's almost like I have this compulsion to like connect with people now, like go Mm -hmm. the full opposite way. Right. Did you start posting while your mom was sick? Did you start doing TikTok? No. No. So actually, so um, I was going to say funny story. It's not a funny story. (laughs) 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 Funny, weird, not funny, huh? But um, so like I said, my mom passed away in 2020. I started posting um, November, 2021. And this was because um, at this point, like, I I mean, where I am in Canada, like things were still pretty closed at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But so we didn't get to have a funeral at the time because of like restrictions. It was just, it just couldn't happen. Uh, Or it had to be, it was like less than 10 people. So obviously, so it was, it was just like a very brief, like pseudo gathering, but it was. Was your mom of, cremated? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but like there was no ceremony, no nothing. So that happened, and then we were like, okay, we will will do the kind of like funeral on the yard site, so on the like one year anniversary of her passing. Okay, and then due to like COVID and like unfortunately other illnesses in the family. Um, November 2021 came around and it got postponed again. So at that point, I had been like really just kind of banking on that. Like it's like weird to like also think of like looking forward to a funeral, but I was like really Did you like feel like there was like some closure that you would get from having yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like because yeah. Judea- Judaism was like so important to my mom and and it's important okay. to me too. And and so yeah. you're not supposed to get cremated um in Judaism, but luckily we're part of like an incredible um reform synagogue. And yeah. and our rabbi agreed to do like a ceremony where basically we'd like plant a tree and like basically do like a Jewish ceremony with the ashes, which is like amazing. Um yeah. L- love that. Shout out to Rabbi Grushka. Love that. Um but we love it. <laughs> love it. We love to see it. Thank you. Um but no, but so, yeah, I've been really banking on that. And then it got canceled again. And so it was like the one year anniversary. It was this thing that I've been waiting for. It was just all this difficulty. And it was also like me in this new life because I had been this caregiver. And then I decided after to like stay in Montreal and kind of keep an eye on the rest of my family. So I had to like find a new job, just find an apartment, do all find these a new things. life. Yeah. Did you and, think you would go back? Like when you oh, first came out here, we were like, okay, I'm coming out here and this is what's happening. And then I will go back. 1000% because the only reason why I sold my stuff, well, I mean, I guess I didn't really have that much stuff too. Cause I've always been like a renter and I've lived in like first yeah, places. So it wasn't totally. like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like a huge deal, but right. I'm like from the city, but I 
created this little life for myself out in the mountains and I'd been there for seven years and I was like I live in like a little snow globe uh, this beautiful picture aesthetic I love my friends out here like I love my life all my friends were starting to like buy houses and pump out kids I'm like they're like putting down roots and like so will I um and like this is kind of like embarrassing now but I got a Montreal tattoo on my arm that no one out west like recognizes it it's like Montreal is actually like an island and a river and it's a very distinct shape but no one would know it out west it was my little inside joke with myself of like okay I'm never moving back to Montreal so I'll get a little and tattoo this is like my it. parting gift yeah yes. like I'm done yeah yeah like I'm never I'm never moving back so I'll just get this now king I live here and like people are like wow you really love this place huh when they see my tattoo and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, it's not meant to be like a double Montreal pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And, but no, I went from like a uh, mountain girl to like city girl. And so uh, now I feel like so much more settled. And I feel like I, I love my life so much more. But back this time last year, when I started posting, um, I did not love it, like hated my job. I was sort of uncertain about where I was living. Like everything was just new and kind of unpleasant. It was like, I was off to like a shaky start. So all of that compelled me to like start posting. Sure. It's interesting to me, you bringing up this whole idea of, you know, leaving, you were in, where were you? You were in British Columbia. So just like British North Columbia. north of Washington Beautiful. state. Yeah. Leaving there and then, and then going back to Montreal and then staying. And I say this because I think what happens when you lose a parent is that there is a freedom that comes with it. And I think that being in Montreal and who knows if you'll be in Montreal forever. Right. Yeah. But like, because something like so life altering happens to you, you become in a weird way, not as attached to certain things, I think, because you realize that life is fleeting. And so, you know, people always say to me, like, you know, because I'm, I'm here in in LA now, and I'm from, I'm from the East coast. They always say, Oh, are you going to stay in LA forever? I'm like, well, how how the hell would I know? I don't (laughs) know. I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. And that's because I learned at a really young age that you cannot be too glued to this one version of your life. Yes. And I wonder if that hit you at all. Oh, totally. Like, um, I didn't really fully realize this at the time because I didn't fully even know why I was staying in Montreal because at the time, like, everything was closed. So I couldn't even, I didn't even know what life would be like living here. Like, and the last time I lived here, I was in my early 20s as a broke-ass student doing my undergrad so like it's such a different life like you hit up the two dollar noodle place where the noodles taste like plastic like for anyone who's from Montreal they know the place I'm talking about like you know it's like it's like those are your spots so it's like I couldn't even imagine like it's like basically moving to kind of a new city because you know you're just very right and like I mean 10 years in a in a city like Montreal like there's going to be huge changes too changes yeah right like it's not the same city oh yeah the food scene has exploded and now I've got a little bit more of a budget than when I was in my undergrad. So like, yeah, definitely that's a big <laughs> part of me staying. <laughs> but at the same time, like, okay, you know, in movies when there's like a big montage and like someone is standing there and there's like everything rushing around them. Like they're like yes, frozen. Sure. Yeah. That's kind of like what being in the city felt like, but I, I like wanted that because I was in a yes. small town before, which was so comforting and cozy, but I was like, I want to be just like faceless in the crowd. Like, as much totally. as I want to connect with people, I also wanted to be like anonymous and just like wander around. And like, I live in a pretty like busy area. So it's like, just even that like hustle bustle around me, like, I'm just like very prone to like being a depressed gal. And so like that movement, I don't know, I just feel like it helps. It's helpful for you. Like, right. Stagnation. Like if you'd gone back. Yes. Yeah. Like if you'd gone back, it would have been quiet, which like. Yes. I had too yeah. much quiet, too much quiet. So Yeah. Cause yeah, I'd like, like you said, I couldn't go out to like have a drink, go for lunch, whatever. Like all those things that I just was craving, you know, just like take a load off, just go chill out for a sec. I couldn't do that. So it was just, I was just in my own silence. So I was like, no, I want yeah. noisiness. I want movement. <laughs> um, life. Yes. Yes. I want life around me. 
Um, I I have a question for you, Meredith, which is hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I was wondering. This is like well, we'll change in topics. To, like what are we popcorning? No, we're not. We're throwing out the corporate street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> popcorn pivot to Meredith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. What's a phrase people have said to you about your situation that you wish you could ban? Like that you wish you don't have to hear again. Do you have anything that comes to mind or conversely, like a reaction that you find just unpleasant when people learn about your situation? You know, it's so funny you say that because the thing that always hurts me the most is like when people try to, and I don't need you to be like, oh my God, that is the worst thing in the entire world. How do you get up out of bed every day? And I have gotten that before. And that that can hurt. Like I've had people say to me, like, if what happened to you happened to me, I wouldn't be able to live. And you're like, cool. <laughs> Love that for you. <laughs> um. So like that can hurt. But you know what actually hurts the most is the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And have you ever gotten that one? Oh my God. Uh, no, thank God. Because I would think I would have to kill the person to say, are you kidding? No one has ever said that one to you. Or maybe I've like blocked it out. I don't know. I think maybe because like my situation also had the pandemic, like kind of added onto it. So yeah, I think, okay, there's many difficult experiences you could go through in life, but like death of a parent, and pandemic are sort of universally understood. Like you don't have to be like emotionally intelligent to know that these are like difficult things. So I think people kind of like, don't, I don't know, like, I guess don't go there or something. I don't know. I will say I don't get it now. Really. I don't, I haven't gotten it in years. Um, but based on the time period, I think that also, you know, I, my mom died in 2002. Yeah. We were in a different place then. Right especially around like things like mental health, you yes. know, that's yes. changed exponentially. But that phrase has always been hard for me. And I even had a friend who used to say it to me all the time about my mom dying. Um, and this was a time period where I was not as open about what it was like. But if I did share with her, because we were very close, she loved to tell me, well, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I remember she wrote it in a birthday card to me once. And then her other thing she used to always tell me, and this one used to bother me too, was everything happens for a reason. Oh my, I've gotten that. I've gotten that one. I flipped yeah. the fuck out. I hate it. And like, you know, on the one hand, I see where this is coming from, especially from like a cosmic universe type thing. But like, I think that's something that we tell people to try to make sense of like absolutely terrible things. And there's no reason that my mom had to get breast cancer when I was 13 and then die a really terrible, awful death and have to like, you know, know that she was leaving her three kids behind. Like yeah. there's no reason. And also like it happened. No one to manifested me it. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did my mom dying make me stronger? Probably not. Did it make me a better person? Probably. But being strong and being a better person are not the same thing. Being strong isn't always a good thing. So I think that 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 there you go. So there's your long winded answer. Those are the things I don't like. That's such a good point about like, it can make you like better, like more mature, more like just more so many things more compassionate, all these things, but not necessarily stronger. Like dealing with like deep trauma, like it's not like then you're like, well, I got through that. So I'm so strong now. It's like, no, it can make you like skittish and fearful and have like horrible intrusive thoughts for the rest of your life. Like I don't know how strong that feels like. It's like, although now that you're kind of like saying how much you've got that reaction, I do feel like it's a very early 2000s kind of thing. Yes. You know? It's like, very much a like, I don't know, um, MySpace reaction. Yes, yes. And and I'm thinking about like, in my case, like, okay, so very inconvenient to have my mom die during the pandemic. But the best part of it, in a lot of ways, 
um, was, <laughs> there has to be a best part, is that it was a time where like, so I've dealt with like mental health issues my whole life. And that's like something that you can't like just really walk into a room and announce and always like appropriate, whatever. But it was like, it was this time that sort of like leveled everyone out and everyone was like, I'm not okay at all. Like, right. and so mm-hmm. no one was like, well, just turn that frown upside down. Everyone was like, I'm scared. <laughs> and I have like weird <laughs> stuff coming up and I'm not okay. And like, even, <laughs> even like when I was packing up to like leave my town, like people didn't know about my situation. And I'd be like in stores. And I know everyone like works in the stores and they're, I'm like, how are you doing? They're like, not good. You, I'm like, right. Yeah. Oh my like, God. <laughs> It's a little freeing in a way to also be like, yeah, I'm also not good. And you don't even have to get into the details. Yeah. yeah. But like, even if it had been a year before COVID, yeah, you couldn't really walk around and say that. And I think even now people are much more apt to be like, oh man, I've been, I've been in it. Yeah. Cause, cause the people that never struggled or like dealt with something big before in their lives, now they've been through a global pandemic. So like, that is something like whatever, uh, not, right. everyone's experience of it is, is different, but still like you know, it, it's brought out a collective experience that we've all had. It's very difficult. So that's kind of like right. the interesting thing. Um, I have the, the second part of my question for you, which is what is the loveliest and most unexpected response someone's had about your situation or just like a very welcomed response? Wow. Um, that's such a good question. I would say sometimes... I actually appreciate when people ask me a follow-up question. Yeah. Like if I say to somebody like, oh, you know, like my mom passed away when I was a teenager and they just acknowledge it and say, oh, like, you know, do you mind sharing what happened or, you know, how long was she sick for? Or, um, you know, like how old were your sisters? Just like that curiosity to me is actually probably the best reaction someone can have. And it's also like, it's an easy reaction. So like, if you're somebody who's like, doesn't know a lot about grief and death and like, yes, not everybody is in a place, but nine times out of 10, if you ask somebody, like if somebody shares with you, like, Oh, you know, actually my, my parent passed away when I was a teenager. It was really hard. I've had people say things, something as simple as like, Oh, what was your parents' name? Um, Yes. And like, those little things, like, I know they don't seem like a lot, but they mean a lot. Yeah. And it's actually a pretty rare reaction to get. And I agree. Like, yes. And, and like that part of why, like, I want to do this podcast and part of why I want to like write about this and all that is that death is so fucking awkward. And that's the thing that like no one talks about. It's so awkward. Like the amount of awkward interactions I've had to have with like, just perspective, like, employers like first dates like all I because I'm like I had to set up my life like right after my mom died Mm -hmm. and then I didn't have anything going on in the past year so like any normal question of like why did you move all of a sudden why why like how did you pick your job all of it related back to well my mom just died so like I had to like there was no chill answer and even if I gave a very surface chill answer any sort of follow-up would lead to like oh well why and then I would have to say this information and it's awkward because people don't know how to deal with it. I don't hold them to that because I think that's a societal problem of us not talking about it. So I'm like, okay, I'm like witnessing these interactions where I'm like, okay, now they're uncomfortable and I don't know how to like hold space for them, like direct right. and be like, no, it's okay. Like, uh, you know, I'm and just like, trying honestly, to like nine back- times out of 10 in those situations, it is okay. We can keep moving. You know what I mean? That's exactly it. Like, I don't know if anyone's like listening to this and like hearing me talk about this, like so matter of factly, but like the fact is for me, all of the like difficult quote unquote conversations or like conversations specifically about um, like my mom, my situation, that doesn't make me sad. It's like random unexpected moments that make me sad. It'll be like something on TV or something I'll drive right. past. Like, and, and when I'm like sitting with you and talking, like I'm not like, fighting back tears like that happens at other times so like when I'm like in a job interview and they're like why'd you move it I'm like dear god like all I want right now is to just not have this like moment that you don't neither of us want to have this moment no Um, and it's not gonna make me sad like 
It does not make me burst into tears. And I guess that's maybe something that like people who haven't experienced grief, like if I have to say to somebody like, oh, well, my mom, you know, actually my mom passed away. Like, I'm not going to lose it. I mean, I, I guess I could, like, you never know. But like nine times out of 10, I'm totally fine with just saying that. Yeah. And it's not going to bring up anything. It's nothing I haven't, th- like, I. it's my experience. I lived it. It's nothing that I haven't experienced before. So what is your thing? What is the thing that people say to you that is not helpful? Okay. Well, I'll say, okay. I'm going to say not helpful because I'm sure like, whatever, this is a case of like, this might be a me thing, but okay. Something that I really don't know how to respond to, and it is the most common answer and the most socially acceptable answer is I'm sorry, because I don't know what to say in response. Like, I just, I don't know why, like, I'm sorry. Like, I never know what to say back. Like, usually my knee jerk answer is like, it's okay. But that feels like weird. So I'm like, well, it's kind of not, but like it is. Eh. Do you want to hear my response? Cause I've got a few years on you. Uh, yeah. Cause I get it all the time. I got it a few days ago. My response is always the same thing. That's very kind of you. Oh, that's a good diffuser. Yeah. Because like, because it is, it is kind. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for acknowledging it and like acknowledging it is great. And so I get it. And and I, and I get the, and I, for years, I would say it's okay. And honestly, like in a way, like it is okay. Like it is, you know what I mean? Like this is my reality. And, and the other thing I say is if somebody really feel like, if I can feel like they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Something I sometimes say is, um, that's very kind of you. I really believe that everybody has something in their life that is like that, even if they have not experienced like a a big loss. Everyone has the story that will break your heart. And everything happens for a reason. <laughs> no, no, no. And you stop right <laughs> no. there. And and because and so, you know, no. just acknowledging like, you know, you probably have something too. Yeah. I love that so much. And like, yeah. And like, cause I would never hold anyone to be like, oh my God, you said, sorry. And I hate that. Like, how could anyone know? I have just, I've just dealt with that. And also because like for the year after I went through this, like there was no touching. I really just like all I had to focus on were people's words. I think that's like what made me kind of like emboldened and like hating that response because like the response would be like, I'm sorry. And then they would stand there like staring at me um, because like, we couldn't hug. Like that's normally like what would follow right. after. But then we would just hold eye contact. And usually I'd be like, oh my God, when can I look away? Like, I, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, how long break. do I have to do this? Yeah. Like, okay. Should I hold for another three seconds and then say something to diffuse it? Like I had this happen like so many times. So I got sick of it. I, I got like, um, I think I called it like empathy burnout. And I think I mentioned Mm -hmm. that either on the pod or like somewhere on Instagram and like so many people, somebody like just a few handful of people that have been through loss were like, yes, empathy burnout. Cause like it is very nice that people are compassionate towards you, but I'm like, I don't like people like pitying me and I get uncomfortable. So similar to you, um, something that I really love is yeah. Follow up question. It's so rare the thing that people think will be most upsetting talking about it is actually often the most comforting thing for a lot of people. So like, yeah, people asking her name, um, what happened, um, like, like anything or like sharing if asking if I'm comfortable, like sharing a nice story, like those things are so nice for me. Um, and also when I was going through it at the time, like when I was like dealing with my mom's illness and shortly after, um, I had a friend who would ask, um, do you want to talk about it or do you want distraction? Like at the top, at the start of our conversation, it was so good because you, when when you're in the throes of grief and that can go on, you know, throughout your life, like it's, it's really with you full time. You don't know really until that moment, if you're going to want distraction to talk about it. it. Yeah. Right. Which is like why I cannot imagine going through what you were going through and not being able to have more. You didn't have the opportunity to have a lot of distraction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> what did you consume when your mom was dying or right after? Like, were you watching anything? Were you reading anything? Okay. So this is going to sound, I don't know how it's going to sound, but. Um, so right before my mom got sick, I 
discovered TikTok, which now is like pretty common. But at the time, like up until oh yeah, that was like early days. It was like a weird. Everyone thought it was weird. I was like, I pushed through the algorithm. Like I pushed past the like teen dances, which is like what everyone was getting at first. Yes. To like what we know now, which is like a very catered, hilarious, like free page. And actually like TikTok was instrumental in like dealing with. Oh, for sure. Like he, and actually like kept me company, kept me sane and this is like the craziest, like most mind blowing thing of the whole fact of my mom dying is the fact that because I spent such infinite amount of hours, like the more hours than you could ever imagine spending, even with us being like, you know, glued to our phones, it was more than that. Like, of course, of course. Yeah. So, and then because I hadn't realized like what was happening at the time, but the way my mind works, I always like to you see how the sausage is made? Like, I always like to think about those things. And right. so I didn't realize that I was like gaining an understanding of like how TikTok like works on the back end. And so that's why when I first started posting, I went viral right away. That's why I'm now like a consultant who I yes, work with other. You like knew, you knew the app so much better. I knew it intimately. Uh, it also in, in terms of like how brands can succeed. Like that's literally my job now is to talk to other brands about how to succeed on TikTok. And I can like talk in businessy, fancy terms about it literally because, because of like, this was what I was watching. I didn't have the attention right. span even for like a show. Oh my God. Of course not. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to that too, during that time of the pandemic when everything felt so uncertain. So coupled with what you were going through, I cannot imagine. And like, Hey, you know, and this is like some sort of advice, but like, I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves when they have experienced like, and it's not just grief, but even just experiencing the pandemic of like to be doing the most things or like, you know, having this experience or whatever. And it's like, honestly, sometimes just getting out of bed, going for a walk around the block, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, like you can call those wins. Oh my God, beyond a win. And even if you don't manage to do that stuff, you are doing your best. Like, cause yes. there's, there's many times where you can't even brush your teeth. You can't shower like, or get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And like, I truly believe like you're giving it your all. And sometimes your all means like not even making it out of bed or not feeding yourself properly, whatever, like not doing basic self-care. That's what it's going to look like sometimes, but like, you know, to whoever like this resonates with that is your best and that's okay. And that's okay. Yes. Your best yes. is going to be different every single day. Um, yeah, I think permission to know that and feel that is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I tell you like one more weird like grief tool that was yes. <laughs> really helpful to me? Please, um, I need it. I need, well, need all I the tools I can get. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's funny. It's like so uh, unlikely, but so like, Peloton became this big thing also during the pandemic right. for people. But for me, it was also like instrumental in coping with my grief because. But you have a Peloton. How am I just learning this? No, no. So this was when I was living at my parents' house um, and my parents were big like gym rats. And so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to need to get something because we can't go to the gym. We're all stuck in this house together. We need to get like something. So I call it a Peloton because it's just like a fake it's like a knockoff it's like a stationary bike it doesn't have the screen but i downloaded the app and so i put it on like my ipad and then put it on the stand um so it's basically like a pseudo peloton yeah we're gonna call it a peloton for sake of the argument yeah and like some of their instructors and the courses are like shockingly deep and would have me like oh sure like I i remember like putting on like it was like a half an hour beyonce cycle and like midway through the instructors like this song is what helped me to deal with my dad's death and she started talking about like and it was I was here by Beyonce and she's just like cycling and like talking about like how this like allowed her to like deal with it and rise about I'm just like oh like (laughs) but also getting my work on it (laughs) I have cried in spin before too what is it about spin that makes people cry I don't know it's like heightened state (laughs) yes I guess it's like kind of that like psychosomatic, like you're shaking yes. off, you know, people say like, it's good for you to like 
do movement or like shake totally. things out or dance, or whatever. So like, yeah, it's definitely like it's helping move things through you. It's like sometimes it has to come up and out. Right. That's so funny um, that you've had that too. With oh my God, for sure. And now I kind of like want to go to a spin class um. <laughs> and cry about your phone. <laughs> honestly why not sounds sounds great I mean we could do it in person now so like why go to therapy when you could just (laughs) get on a spin I mean honestly therapy is probably cheaper than like going to some of the spin (laughs) studios in the Los Angeles area so okay yeah um I think we were gonna do a little holiday tips and tricks though and not of the hosting and decorating type yeah so this will be out um around the holidays and we really want these episodes to be timeless but at the same time like it's the holidays right now but I think this kind of applies to any like just big gatherings family time um yeah and this is also like how we want to end our episodes with a little bit of like uh advice from our own experience um do you have any thoughts on that Meredith Yes, I do have thoughts on it. Um, You know, I think what happens with grief with the holidays sometimes is um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because the holidays are like, a you know, they're a pressure cooker, right? To do all the things. And then we also, a lot of times want to be honoring traditions that family members might've had. And these days can bring up really hard feelings. And I am no stranger to that. And so... One of the things that I constantly tell myself is that my mom would not want me to be like stressed out about honoring her or having things look and be a certain way. It's okay for things to not be perfect. It's okay to be both happy and sad around the holidays. And I think that just giving yourself permission to do those things is okay. And also like, you don't have to push yourself to do it exactly the way that maybe it was done when that family member was here. If you always got the Christmas tree at this place and now with the grief, it's either too hard or it's not really convenient or whatever, you can make some of your own traditions. And I think that is very freeing. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I, couldn't agree more and actually funny enough that was gonna be like similar to my advice (laughs) I love this so much um I had like my own reckoning with that recently so tell me so okay so I went to Mexico for day of the dead and so the idea was celebrate um day of the dead in Oaxaca which is I was with my boyfriend that's where he's from and grew up um so it was like meaningful for both of us because I mean it's like there it's like the biggest celebration of the year um in a lot of ways and for me I was like I've always wanted to do this but now more than ever and especially in light of the whole like no funeral thing I was like I I feel like I need this celebration so there's like big parades in the street and part of it too is that everyone goes and gathers in cemeteries there's these beautiful like thousands of like candles and flowers and altars and it's very like deep and meaningful and celebratory at the same time I don't know it's it's like it's this amazing thing but we got to go to like the parades and basically three days in a row we kept missing like the cemetery part and for me I don't know I had just put that in this like category in my mind of like this is the most important thing is to go to the cemetery and like honor my mom and and we kept going and I think maybe because of like COVID they were like closing them early but I kept like talking to people at the hotel I was staying at, like Oliver's relatives. They're like, oh yeah, it'll be open late. And we'd go right as it was closing and we'd see everyone leaving. Like they would like lock the <laughs> gates. And this this yeah, happened yeah. three days in a row. Like it that people mm-hmm. are in the cemetery for three days. Um and I'm like on the third day, I had like a full meltdown. Like I was just like, I realized how much importance I had been putting on it. And right. And Oliver was very like helpful in like kind of talking me through it and being like, we got to witness this like beautiful parade today where there were like people like dancing, like with skeleton things. Like it is very death center, but it's like so fun. And like, 
And he's like, we got to like experience that. And as we were experiencing that, there's this huge wind. He's like, I felt your mom's like presence in that, in the wind oh. passing through. And yeah, he, he's very sweet with this whole thing. But, but he was also just like, and wouldn't she be happy that you're just like on this great vacation, like eating right. great like food? You're here. Yeah. And, yes. like, and, and she would be like, if she was here, she'd be like, fucking relax. Who cares? Like you missed this, like this one right. part of your trip. Like it's all good. And it kind of like, it was this big moment for me of being like, the cemetery quote unquote like event was within me all along. Like everything that I've been trying to create, I have been creating it like throughout this. And I was it was supposed to lead up to this thing, but no, it's been, it's, it's ongoing. It's been happening already. And I think we sometimes put pressure on those things as a way of like quelling our anxieties. Cause we yes. think that if we do them, something will happen, but then they, we do them and we're like, okay, like that was nice. But what might you miss out on by not doing them? And is it necessary? Exactly. Because as much as I said that like, you know, um, Judaism and ceremonies and whatever were important to my mom. Also at the same time, she was very like, um, very much into like us creating our own traditions and very totally. And when I asked her when she was still alive, when I asked her like what she wanted her funeral to be, her answer was, why the fuck do I care? Like, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and like so i just <laughs> so i just thought i love that, that. yeah she's like well, i don't do whatever you want i don't care i was like really nothing she's like no what <laughs> like fuck off basically i was like okay um so i <laughs> thinking about like that paired with me like yeah putting all my anxiety like funneling it into needing to get to this event it was like kind of this big release of like, okay, I don't need to put all this weight on everything being perfect. And if everything's perfect, then I'll honor this person. And then I'll, you know. Right. And that's just not, the bottom line is, it's just not how grief and death are. They're never the ways, no matter how much you plan for it, no matter how much you think you know how you're going to handle it. And it, I think it's very reactionary to like what the actual experience of losing someone is like, is that it's never what you think it's going to be. And so you have to have a freedom to, to be okay with that, to, to explore that and, you know, and, and, and to know that. And it's very freeing. Yeah. Like no one told me that like, um, you know, a key way of like managing my grief would be like, posting on the teen dancing app and then through that meeting a friend who lives on the other side of the <laughs> continent and then like us connecting like no one told me that that was like an option you know? right it's, <laughs> you have to be willing I think to to take those risks that's the yeah. other piece of it yeah like I've talked to people before who are going through this grief and like you know they've been wanting to like go to therapy about it or, you know, maybe go on a grief retreat. And they're like, I just don't think like, it's too hard for me. It's too scary. And I totally get that. And I've been there and you don't have to do it right away. But if you're at a place where you're like, I really want to do it. And it, it makes sense for you to start exploring it more. I cannot recommend it enough because even though it's hard, even though it's scary, I promise you that that talking about it, going through it, putting yourself out there in it, it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah. And whenever you feel ready to do that, you know, like also too, um, you know, I had a dear friend, her partner, his mom had just passed away and it was very sad. And she was, she was just like talking about how, like, she was worried about him basically not dealing with it, like not talking about it, not wanting to like do things around it. And I was just like, I, <laughs> I was the same. Like I yeah. didn't, I, when all this happened to me, I put it in a box, closed it. Um, <laughs> and not just the box of ashes that my mom is now, but like emotionally <laughs> as well. Like I canned it, you know, and I really just was like, I am not able to deal with this or talk about it right now. Um, and so at some point I will. And it was like many months down, down the line that I finally like, open it up even as someone who like I would say is a lot more like first in this and in touch with my feeling blah blah totally blah, and like is in their 30s and yeah. right and like COVID had been happening so there was less of a stigma I think at the time around mental health and hopefully yeah. still is um I totally agree and I'm gonna offer one more small piece of advice yes and this is to people who maybe have not lost a parent 
and, you know, are navigating maybe a friendship or relationship with somebody who's lost a parent. And I'd love to get your take on that. I want your take on this too. If your parent is still alive and we are friends and you want to complain about your parent to me, bring it on, bring it on. I have had people say to me, oh, I I can't complain about my mom to you because your mom is dead. (laughs) Like, it's okay. They're people, they're parents. I remember I sat next to this girl at work once and she was doing something and her mom was, her mom was being a pain. Her mom was being really difficult. And then she said, I shouldn't even complain about my mom to you because how your mom is gone. And I said to her, if my mom was alive, she would be doing things that annoyed me. I think we get along great, but she would still piss me off. Your parents are still your parents. And maybe for some people it's different, but like you can still complain about your parents to me. They are people, they are not infallible. And just because my mother is dead doesn't mean that I look back and think, oh my God, she was, I mean, she was a wonderful person. She was a great person, but she's not a perfect person. And if she was here in my thirties, I'm sure there's things that we would drive each other crazy about. So I want to hear your take on that. Oh, yeah. I've had that happen actually a few times with like people talking about their breakups and they're like, yeah, oh, well, I don't want to compare this to like what you're going through. And I'm like, dude, breakups are, I want to say like in the short term, almost worse, (laughs) like from my perspective, because like totally when my mom died, it was so monumental that my body was literally able to like go into kind of like hibernation mode, which I I was kind of grateful for because I was like, I'm literally not able to process this at the moment um also part of it was that I I felt like um I had to kind of be really stoic when I I was being a caregiver I didn't have to by any means but I know that my mom's fiercely independent so so and and she just she just like felt bad about me being in that role which I'm like of course not but also I get it because I would feel the same way if right if you know someone had to take care of me so I get it so anyway so I was like I'm gonna kind of like bottle up my difficulty with this and I will deal with it later but later it didn't happen like you know the moment I stopped being you know the moment she was gone so so I was like there was sort of a lag (laughs) like that's like so big that there's like I don't know it's like cosmic and lifelong whereas like a breakup is like so crushing in the moment in the immediate oh my god and the person's still alive yeah yeah I remember like my first really bad breakup and really definitely feeling like it was akin like the physical feelings I felt felt similar to the grief that I had when I lost my mother yeah well actually yes and uh, so funny enough I was oh my god this was like so dysfunctional but like um I I like trauma bonded and started like dating someone like during this whole time. <laughs> Why would you not? Oh my god, of course you would. Like honestly, I, like- yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was good until it wasn't. Um until he broke up with me, I think probably 4 months after my mom died. Um and that like opened up the floodgates. It was like that like was the catalyst that allowed me to start my grief process. And I only realized that because a friend was like, she's like, um, okay, no offense, but like, you kind of seem more upset about this than your mom dying. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like none taken. Cause you're actually making me realize that like, I just couldn't feel anything until this last thing, like, right. Oh, open up the floodgates of just everything. Right. But also don't you think it's in a way, isn't it like in a way it's, it's harder. And in a way it's also easier to be upset about a breakup because it's also more socially accepted. Like people yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. people do know how to react to that. Like yeah. people won't like get awkward the same way. Yep. Um. So I think there's something to be said there. And also like, you know, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, they can, breakups can be really painful, but like the difference with a breakup, I think, and like, you know, a parent dying is that like, there's just, there's no way forward with a parent dying. And yeah. sometimes with a breakup, there can be ways of moving forward. So well, like, it's, it's like it can more, be a little easier. It's like a breakup is more accessible or like yes. more tangible. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, most breakups aren't something that you're like, for the rest of my life, I'll be dealing with this. Like, Right. Totally. And most of the time, not all the time, but a lot of times you can look back on a breakup and say, okay, I can see my role in that. I yeah. see where that was a problem. And so you have some control over it or yeah. you had some control over it and you maybe yeah. made decisions or they made in whatever. 
but when a parent dies, most of the time, you're like, there's nothing I could have done differently. There's nothing my parent could have done. There's nothing that nobody could have done anything differently to not get to this result. But with a breakup, you can look back and say, maybe if I'd been more supportive here, or maybe if I had never said that, or maybe if I didn't do this or Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like that, I think like one of the most like important things that I've learned about grief, like in this process is that, um, grief, grief is grief is grief. Like it it really is like, there's different levels. And obviously like loss of a parent is like more intense than like (laughs) a breakup, but at the same time, like even positive life changes, like you move across the country for your dream job, there's going to be grief, like because Mm -hmm. of your old life you get married to your your person that you're so excited to marry you might grieve the loss of you being your single life like there's just like there's so many forms that it takes and like they're all like valid and like should be honored and so like when people are talking about these things they're like oh i couldn't i'm like you're allowed to grieve and it's not a competition because if it was a competition like there would be someone with a more unfortunate story than me isn't that the truth yeah it's not the the sadness Olympics, like you're allowed to be sad. <laughs> right. Totally. Exactly. I completely agree. Oh, this is, yeah, this has been, this, this is has been really fun. Can we do this again? Yes. Yes, we can. And I love how like, we are like, we're so beyond capacity with our own schedules, but like, we're just like, we have to do this. <laughs> I feel yes. Like. And so we're powering through and we're going to do it again. I feel compelled in my soul to like, just do this little side project with you and it is so lovely. Oh, no, it's really good. It's good to be here. And I hope that, you know, even if you just get like one thing out of this, even if you don't get anything out of this conversation, I mean, at least you learned how many kilometers it is from British Columbia to uh, Montreal. Montreal. You learned that Canada's a big fucking country. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even coast to coast. That's it's right. another it's another 10 hours ease to get all the way to the other coast (laughs) yeah join us next time when we uh clock the kilometer on there (laughs) yeah yeah we'll talk more about grief and canadian geography um okay (laughs) until next time bye everyone bye